a, a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step, step. All right. Ties all around. We're all evened up here. It's one giant step. A, I like to either do a victory Monday or a losing, but you don't want to do a losing Monday. It's a, a tie Monday. It's Sean Morris. It's Paul Dottino here. On one giant step where you can catch courtesy of 2400 Sports and Odyssey. Anywhere podcasts are downloadable and free on the Odyssey app. Thank you to all our listeners who are continuing to help make this podcast grow. Uh, And this is, uh, full disclosure, you're getting this a little later than usual. And I think that might be a good thing because a lot of the giant reaction you have probably already heard is, what the heck happened? That felt like a loss. And Paul and I have had a chance to take a breath, take a beat, and examine things bigger picture. So you might get a little bit of a different perspective on this podcast, at least I hope. Paul, hello. How are you? Oh, very, very well, Sean. Good to talk to you again. And the key, of course, is, as Wellington Mara used to say years and years ago, you always have to take emotion out of your reaction. Yeah. Take a night to sleep on it, digest it logically, get the emotion out of it, and then begin to have a logical conversation and talk about your decisions. Well, that's what we're going to do here for these fine people. And I want to make this clear before anybody who's an angry, frustrated Giant fan hits click on the app and wants to turn off. There will be some negatives we get into from this game because, I mean, especially when it comes to the offense and maybe even some questions of play calling. We will dissect that all in a second. But let's just kind of give a little bit of an overview here. The Giants walk away uh, with a 2020 tie, and I, I just lost a note here. Was the last tie they had was the Gus Farratt game, right, when he banged Correct. his head the wall? Okay. Ironically, 25 years ago versus Washington. Oh, by the way, another surprise giant playoff year that first year of Jim Fossil. So, yes, it was. Paul, this was the first game I attended in person. You've been at basically almost all of them here at this point. I I have to say, from a fan's perspective, in overtime as it goes back and forth, I mean, there were so many times I thought for sure the team was losing. Then I thought for sure they were winning. I don't blame a fan for leaving MetLife Stadium yesterday or even sitting on their couch scratching their head going, what the heck was that? Because it just doesn't happen with frequency with the Giants, and it did give us this feeling of, unsatisfaction, but I immediately tried to turn to the positive and say the one thing the Giants couldn't do, because remember, they were already up a game in the loss column in Washington, was lose the game. Yes. They end up not losing the game. So let's just start right here and there, because the one play call more than anything else, even at the end of the first half, will be Brian Dable on the fourth and three. I've read a lot here in the 12 hours, 24 hours since this game. Uh, and basically people, you know, how, how could you be aggressive week one? How could you not do that? I will tell you in real time, I had no problem with him punting. At that point, the offense, especially the run game, had been almost non-existent at points in the second half. Even when they had stuff rolling, they were either killed by penalties or drops. If you if you don't get that fourth and three, you were basically waving the white flag and giving the Washington, you know, 15 yards before they have to kick a field goal and beat you. The Giants couldn't walk away from that game with a loss yesterday. So, while I get the frustration and wanting to, you know, go win the game, I thought Dable actually handled that properly yesterday on the fourth and three pool. All right. You just raised two points here, Sean. The first point is, how do you feel about a loss compared to a tie? A loss would have been devastating to the Giants. It would have put them in a significant hole that would have really forced them to beat Washington two weeks from now. 
as it stands, the tie did not really hurt anything about their playoff chances, except if you really thought that they were going to catch Philadelphia or Dallas. If your mission right. is just to get into the playoffs, this tie is like a speck of dust on the top of your coffee table. It really is. Yeah. Everything is still in front of them. And, and and that's the most important thing to keep in mind. Now, I'm not going to tell you that Brian Dable was necessarily thinking that, although he might have been, because he hasn't told anybody that when the media asked him any questions. Uh, Paul, Paul, say, Paul, I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. I sure hope he was thinking that because the head coach, you've got to be thinking about all ramifications there. And that He did not admit time. to that. He right. did not admit to that. So I don't right. know if he was. I sure was as I was watching the game saying yeah, to myself, You've got to be conservative. Don't be afraid to tie this game. Don't. And yeah. so that's number one. Okay? So I thought he made the logical and smart decision based on the big picture. Now, as far as the actual events itself, remember, later on when they tried to kick the game-winning field goal and they went for uh, Graham Cano on a 58-yarder into that end zone, and Gano told me after the game, when he met with the media, I was the first one to get to him, asked him about how far do you think you needed to be to be able to make it. And he said, we had determined before the game we needed another five yards from where I was. He said 53 was the max into that end zone, given the wind and temperature conditions at that time. We saw his 58-yarder was at least a few yards short. Yeah. Three, maybe four yards short. I was sitting okay? in that end zone, yes. Now, think about the fourth down you've just explained to me. That would have been a 61-yard field goal. Right. He was short on 58. How is he going to make a 61? If he told Dable that 53 was the range on that given day in that end zone, why would Dable send him out for a 61-yard field goal? Well, Paul, I got to interrupt you. I don't think that that was the take from a lot of fans. I think the take was go for the first down and try to play for the win in that spot and and think that you can get three yards, which I completely disagree with because look at what the offense did in the second half. They couldn't prove yardage. for. I mean, once they got the touchdown off the, the Aziz strip sack, I, I mean, they just couldn't move the ball with frequency. And oh, by the way, I am going to get to this point in time here. I can't kill Dable for not, quote-unquote, going for the win, whether it's kicking the field goal or going for the first down there, where two things happen. Number one, when they did get the ball back to set up, you know, with the 58-yarder, it wasn't like he kneeled it out and tried to really play for overtime. They did, you know, Jones threw that pass to Richie James to try to get him cooking in that spot. And number two, you know, the team with the penalties, too, it's still going to come back to ultimately the Feliciano stupid flexing penalty yeah. in that second half because you just mentioned the number 53 yards. That was six minutes and ticking left when Daniel Jones gets him in there with that pass to Slate and he's complete. To the 35. Look, right. They were at the – from that point, had they not lost a yard. In the good end zone. a single yard. In that good end zone, they yes. would have at worst been trying a 53-yarder to go up yes. two scores with less than five minutes left, and that was going to be good night, game over. Absolutely. So, Dable clearly playing for the win, going for the juggle. They were attacking, 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 trying to get late in there. The game shouldn't even come to overtime if it wasn't that. I thought the, every time the offense had a moment, whether it was Slayton in overtime dropping a match, I want to criticize Jones for the pass. I, I calmed down. Slayton had two hands on it. Or Feliciano with that penalty. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, the Giants did all they could at that point where Dable was to sit back and go, I mean, how many more mistakes are we going to put ourselves in? I got to punt the ball here. 
I agree with you a thousand percent. And in fact, uh, instead of uh, even going for the field goal or, or, or even just going to punt, at least he did the one thing that I always think people should do. Send your offense out there and try to draw them off sides. Yeah, he did. At least right. he did that. How many times have you seen a team just send guys out there and they right. just punt it? At right. least You're he right. said, all right, let's go out there and try to try to draw them. Right. Um, I'm with you 100% on that, Sean. Again, understanding if you're going to give the ball back to Washington at their own 45-yard line, they're only going to have to go, what, 20 yards before right. they're kicking into the good end zone and then they could, they're going to beat you? Again, you got to understand the biggest part of this whole thing is the overriding factor, which is probably why Dable did know. A loss was going to be devastating. The tie was not. Right. Well, if right. you understand that at its very root, you don't have any problem with him punting that football away. Now, I want to address Feliciano. Okay. How that one bothered me, Paul. It bothered me. How many times have you seen a teammate in celebration go up and pat a guy on the butt, pat a guy on the helmet, even headbutt a teammate on a helmet? What is this Hulk Hogan thing? What are you doing with that? I agree. And What, and, what possessed and him to celebrate like Hulk Hogan? And I've look, never seen that before. And this it is was what unnecessary. Unnecessary. You're right. And, and it, drew, it drew the official's attention. You never want to do that. Okay? And, I don't uh, care if his intentions were good. His actions were foolish. And that cost the Giants a minimum of three points at a position where they could have salted the game away. Foolish is absolutely the word there. And I, by the way, this is a scenario where I think two things are true. In that spot, a tight game late, I think the flag, first of all, I thought was unnecessary. I don't think that the ref needs to get in the way there, use common sense. It is clear to me on replay, Feliciano is flexing at Slayton. But that being said, there's just no reason for Feliciano to go run. It wasn't a touchdown, Paul. There's no, no. reason to run down the field 10 yards and flex at Slayton, who, by the way, made a better, better catch earlier. No, you know, it's just crazy to me because, again, I'm a fan of Dable and I'm a fan of everything they've done. But they have had some of these undisciplined penalties in this recent stretch of poor play, whether it's illegal formations. But this one was the game is over. Now, of course, could they turn the ball over here? Could Gano miss a field goal? I yes. know, I know. We, we understand that. But the way the game had gone, Washington wasn't scoring twice the rest of the game. Just run up to Slayton and hug him if you want to, for God's sakes. Oh, my Seriously. Goodness. Seriously. Oh, it drove me nuts. That, to but, me, uh, more than anything else, that, was the turning point and the reason they did not win the game. To me, that was yeah, the one point. Yeah, that, 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 that to me... That, to me, is one that is so self-inflicted. Obviously, and I caught up to Slayton after the game on the field, and he came right out and put that miss on the bomb on him. He said he should have caught it. He knows he should have caught it. Knows he should have made that play. And that would have put them practically in the field goal range as well because they were also going into that end zone. So, so those were two things that the Giants had total control over. There were a lot of other things that neither team had control over uh, which was under the umbrella of very, very ragged officiating. Yeah, but we don't have to necessarily yeah, go there. A lot. So I'm glad you brought up the Slayton and the drop thing because I was borderline 
like shocked. So of course, Paul, as you know, when you're at a stadium and you're watching the game on TV, at times you were seeing two different games, right? You're not getting the commentary in the broadcast. You might miss some stuff, but you might see some stuff in the stadium that isn't seen otherwise. I walked out of the game, first of all, feeling two things. Kind of unfulfilled, but I understood, and I was fine with a tie more than a loss, and I certainly didn't leave the stadium, like, pissed off. But, you know, the amount of texts and stuff I got from a lot of, you know, giant fan, friends, followers, crushing Daniel Jones after the game about that throw to Slayton. And it just for me, man, Paul, I, I had decent enough seats, enough where I had the old 22, but I was in the lower level. I can't recall being at a giant game for 60 minutes plus where I've never seen that much lack of separation from receivers all game long. And to see Jones have the numbers he had, which were both at least 200 yards passing, and of course the 70 yard, almost 300 yards in accountable offense, plus the two touchdowns converting off that fumble for the touchdown. If you're blaming Daniel Jones for that throw to Slayton because Slayton had to adjust, he doesn't get fingertips on it. He gets both hands on it. And this is nothing new. A.J. Brown makes that play for Jalen Hurts, okay? Where Jalen Hurts wouldn't have had to make that play in the past. If we've gotten to the point where Daniel Jones actually needs to throw the most perfect pass between the numbers or lead somebody in stride with every single throw, and that is your complaint after every game, well, then you're answering the question, is it a quarterback problem or is it a roster problem? Because their only receiver getting separation has a history of dropsies, and you can't count on him to be an absolute stud monster with every pass. So I just don't get the idea of crushing Jones for that pass. Did you crush Jones when he found Slayton for that first down that should have won the game with Feliciano took the penalty? Did you crush Jones when he hit Slayton uh, over uh, you know down the sideline early. Uh, in the game? How about the the BB he threw to, to Richie James? James that yes. set up the final field goal? How about James, that? They could have been dead in the water. He zinged it right in there. It's a perfect pass. So again, do I think Daniel Jones is his ultimate elite quarterback? Yes, but the fans killing Daniel Jones again after the game. It's it, what are we watching? What are you watching? You know, like I say, Darius Slayton took blame for dropping that ball on the field with me immediately following the game. He got both hands on it. Victor Cruz told me after the game that he should not have spun in a 180-degree turn. Right. He He, made it so much harder than it had to be. He made the catch a lot harder than it had to be, and that's why he wound up bobbling it and losing it on the way down. He did not have to make that 480-degree spin. He could have even gone 90 degrees and gone up and reached up with a hand and brought it in and hold it in that way. But he wanted to get two hands on it. He spun all the way around, and that's why he lost his balance and lost the catch. I want to give you a number because, you know, I watch detailed tape work every single week, Sean, and I know some analytics people only have the Giants for like in the low 20s for drops. I'm a very tough grader because I learned from Bill Parcells how to grade tape. I've got the Giants for 32 drops this year, and 15 of them were first down throws. Okay? So you Daniel Jones critics out there, throw that in your pipe and smoke it, and then try telling me that this guy's not good enough. And and that's going to lead us into the negative of this, Paul. So for all the positive we're talking about being in it, playoff haunt, and the big game versus Washington, which should be noted, by the way, a lot of the podcasts you might have heard in Giants coverage came out before the news. The Giants will play the Commanders on Sunday night football, not on Saturday night in two weeks, which is, I actually, to be honest with you, Paul, I know my mother-in-law ain't going to listen. I was invited to my mother-in-law's Christmas Day that Saturday, and I was already out assuming the Giants are playing. Now my wife knows, and I'm sucked back in. So I actually hate that with Sunday night football and not playing on that Saturday. Damn it, my whole Saturday's ruined. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, with that, if you're going to point to the negative, Paul, about this Giant team going forward in the recent rut they've been in, 
man. I thought they played much better football yesterday. I thought, obviously, you know, they're still kind of patchworking things together. I mean, their secondary was so thin, they're making, they're doing an admirable job, but they're going to need McKinney or Jackson back at some point here in the next three weeks to try to salvage something. Uh, I thought the missed tackles on both those touchdowns yesterday, you could argue neither touchdown happens with Jackson and McKinney on the field. That I mean, just whiffs. It was crazy. Broken plays. They can't happen. Now, we could get to the positive in a second about how good this pass rush now could be with everybody healthy. But I thought negatively both the defensive back situation with missed tackles and, as we pointed to, still the drops of receivers and the offense not being able to gain momentum. If Saquon Barkley's not breaking big plays, it's literally on a Jones scramble run or Jones finds Slayton, and that is it offensively for this team. So those two negatives would be what would hold me back about this team going forward. Well, again, the, the wide receiver room has got to step up, okay? I know, you know, Slayton had 90 yards. Again, I think it's like the fifth week in a row he's had at least 60 yards in the air. But he actually leads the team with five drops. Yeah. I happen to be a Slayton fan, but that's too many. But, Paul, that's and, also why he's not a true number one or number two because this has been the story of his career. So, yeah. you know, if Slayton but right was now he's the best they got. And that's the thing. If you had an offense right now where let's say it was a well-seasoned Wondell Robinson healthy in the slot and you had a true, you know, X receiver on the other side and Slayton was your Y second guy, not in the slot. I think you live with it and you go, okay, the drops are frustrating me, but they are just so highlighted because that is literally what they have at the position. Hodgins has done a fine job, but he is what he is too. Yeah. So uh, in reference to your comment about the offense, I agree with you. Um, I'm still waiting for some of these July and August plays to, to come out of the playbook. I've been promising you this for weeks. You have. I don't know why. I don't know why they're not there. Matt Breida is not getting any burn at all. And I don't think they should take touches away from Barkley to give to Breida. But I do think there are chances. I've seen where the Giants have in their repertoire Barkley and Breida in the backfield together. And that creates a lot of problems for defenses, especially if you're going to go empty backfield and both guys are going to go out into a route. Linebackers can't cover those two guys, Sean. Right. I don't know why we're not seeing that after they practiced it in August. Okay? So that's a problem that I am having a bit right now with the offense. I do want to see some of that. Defensively, I know it was a 90-yard touchdown drive in the closing minutes of the fourth quarter that tied the game. But take note of this. After Leonard Williams went out with the neck injury, Coach said today, by the way, he's still sore. We'll have to see how the week goes. Look at the 11 guys they had on the field in crunch time, trying to hold on to that lead. And then the 11 guys they had on the field on defense during two Washington possessions in overtime. The only four guys of the 11-man unit who were opening day starters and I'm going to consider Ojolari and Tibbs part of that because they would have been had right. they not been injured. Dexter Lawrence, Julian Love, Ojolari, and Thibodeau. Yeah. Four out of 11 guys Crazy. on the field trying to hold on to a seven-point lead and then in a tie in overtime when you had Zimenez, Jefferson, Gilbert, McLeod, Flock, Moreau, and Pinnock. All on the field. Do I need to remind you, with all due respect to those fellas, how many guys did not have a job opening day of this yeah. NFL season before the Giants picked them up? 
Yeah. And many of them, by the way, weren't waiver claims. They were just flat out practice squad signings that, you know, went through elevation processes before they got signed. Jefferson, obviously, and Moreau being a couple of those guys. Paul, there, there's no doubt about it. And I guess that's 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 what's disheartening, right? Can they hold on with this? But I guess if I spun that, and you know what? Before I spin that, the other thing I forgot that I wanted to mention too, you talk about those guys that were on the field. How about the guys that weren't? You know, two major red flags here, both Tay Crowder and Rodarius Williams taking to Twitter to express their frustration with their lack of playing time. I mean, Paul, I mean, if imagine if that was Odell Beckham Jr., what we'd be saying, you know, if he took the Twitter to do all this. These two guys, with all due respect, and I don't know what the deal is with Rodarius Williams. It felt like he played a good game in Dallas. Can yeah, we calm down and not emotionally react on social media? Not exactly the sign of good teammates here, Paul. No, I, I I can't imagine that there's anything about Brian Dable that was pleased with that. Look, he has been straightforward and upfront with every player in that locker room about how certain guys play, certain guys don't play, and certain guys may only get limited reps. Right. He has been straight, truthful, honest, upfront, name the adjective, with every guy in that locker room. So Tay Crowder. Eridarius Williams undoubtedly knew going into the game, just like Landon Collins has told us all these weeks that he hasn't been brought up off the practice squad. You find out usually by Thursday or so what their plans are for you in the game. Everything with this team is done on a matchup basis, depending upon specifically what they think the matchup is on the given Sunday. And it's not just about scheme. It's also about personnel. How many different positions have we seen on this team? And it's been more than a handful that they have consistently changed bodies out or changed yeah. roles. Oh, so yeah. I can't exactly since day one. So I have to be honest. I, I, I get their frustration, but come on, guys. You know what the story is going in. So you can't do what you did by going to social media. That 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 could not have sat well with the coach. It felt very undable giant-like when I saw both of those tweets. It really did. It was like, wow. It's disappointing. Yeah. For sure. I, and, I, I, and, 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 and I guess based in a way, on what I know about yeah. him and his team and that locker room, I'm I'm pretty sure that that's going to be handled. And I suspect that's the last time you'll see anything like that. And I would argue that I don't think either of those guys did themselves any favors if they're looking for more playing time going forward when you do something like that either. I mean, because then it looks it no, you know like, what, Sean, I disagree. Because well, I, just, I think Brian I think Brian Dable and this staff, I think you make a mistake, they will give you your just punishment or whatever it is that they think they need to do to react to it. Okay. They tell you you did wrong, it better not happen again, and they move on. And if they think that Crowder or Williams are good in the matchup against Philadelphia, they'll play. This okay. staff does not play petty, um, petty, I don't know what I'm looking for here, uh, hangovers, so to speak. All right. They don't. All right. I mean, I was viewing at it from, you know, sending the message to the team, you know, you could beg for your job back and we'll give it to you. But no, I guess the message is, the message is it gets handled. If there's a penalty, you get your penalty and we move on. But you better not repeat it. Yeah, and again, I guess in many ways, I'm relieved it was one of those two guys and not one of the bigger players on the Giants relieved. And oh, by the way, 
why do you think I'm so I guess it's about matchups, but and I'm assuming a lot of this has to do with the slot stuff with Darnay Holmes being out, which really was a tough blow for the Giants. You know, Darnay had played some physical football lately, and obviously not having him on Doxon had hurt uh, a bunch in that game. The Zion Gilbert elevation, at least the fans came across as kind of out of nowhere. And I know that you've talked about Flott being a boundary guy and he was kind of working his way back, but Zion Gilbert was basically on the field all game long. And that's an undrafted rookie. Has this been something brewing where they've really liked what they've seen in his, you know, growth on the practice squad where, you know, that just the time was right. Or was it just a lack of bodies that they felt comfortable in the slot? Gilbert, 66% of the snaps, 56 as I look at my notes. They liked Gilbert coming out of uh, Florida Atlantic. He was a five-year player there. Uh, it actually put up some pretty good numbers as a senior in terms of his pass defense. He's a big physical corner who they think has some potential, but he was very raw and very green. They were very happy to get him on the practice squad. He has practiced well all season. And I know that they've been intrigued by him. I do believe that because the Giants suspected that Washington was going to be a physical team and was going to be a run-heavy team. Now, remember what I told you last week. Washington specializes in running off the corners, off tackle and to the boundaries, which means you've got to get corner support in the run game if you're going to slow them down. I believe that's why Gilbert was activated and played a lot more because he's got a little more meat on his bones than the other corners who were available to the Giants in this game. Okay, then I'm all in on that. Now, Paul, let me just say this as we tackled some of the negatives. A very big positive, and I gave you a couple reasons to doubt the Giants going forward in the stretch. Receivers, injuries, still to McKinney and Jackson, which we hope are going to be resolved soon here. How about the positive? Oh boy, oh boy. Suddenly. How tasty is Aziz Ojolari next to Kayvon Thibodeau if these guys can stay healthy at the same time? I mean, the now you want to make a case why they didn't win the game? Well, you know another reason they didn't lose the game? Because they had those two guys getting after Heineke all game long. Obviously, Ojolari forces the fumble. Thibodeau damn near ended the game with a safety in overtime. And it wasn't just those two finishing, getting home on those two specific plays. I mean, they were good all game long. I mean, Jelly Ellis had a had a sack because Leonard Williams fumbled him in. Uh, Dexter Lawrence had a sack. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Leonard Williams getting hurt, but that front four attacking quarterbacks, Paul, when you talk about some of the Giants teams that were able to close games in December and January of yesteryear, it was about getting after quarterbacks late, and boy, it feels like they might have something cooking. Is Thibodeau, the light has gone on here in a big way, and Ojolari, I mean, the guy looks like a five-year-old pro. At this point, every time he's got on the field in between injuries this year, that is real tantalizing to watch those guys get after a quarterback. Five sacks and 10 quarterback hits. Is there a coach alive that wouldn't take that every week? Of course. Oh, and hard I mean, hits, seriously. Too. Thibodeau's hit in overtime. That I was sitting on the 10 yard line right there. I felt it in my chest that had to hurt. Yeah. My goodness. I, I, I don't know how Heineke actually held on to that ball. Now, I, I don't say either. this. Maybe as Thibodeau becomes more of a veteran and learns some different moves and different techniques, he'll be a little bit more like OC and he'll actually strip that ball instead of just crushing the guy. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, which is what Ojolari is mastering. Twice Ojolari's done that now this year as well. Yeah. Well, and again, he's had more experience. Yeah. Ojolari's a second-year pro. He's been around a little bit more. Uh, this is what happens as guys grow into the position. I think what you have to remember is that 
you know, Ojolari was only playing his third game of the season. He had missed yeah. time. Then he came back for a couple games. Then he missed more time. And him and Thibodeau can really provide some intimidation. It's not even the times they get home. It's the times they have to be accounted for, Sean. Yeah. Where you're going to have offenses and offensive lines and quarterbacks and running backs and tight ends saying, okay, we're at the line. We're calling an audible because we have to account for that guy or we have to account for that guy. Or I think this guy might be coming this way. When you prove that you can get home like these two guys are showing now, what you prove is that the other team must take that into account and account for you. It puts it in their minds. That in itself, I tell people all the time, Lawrence Taylor did not get a sack on every play. He did not. But his presence instilled intimidation on every play. And that is as much valuable at times as the actual play itself. Because you can force a team into either panic, confusion, or a mistake. Or just something they have to spend serious time on all week game planning that might, you know, take away away a look at something else. It's just, you know, making people focus. Now, before we close, one more note on Thibodeau, because it was something you had mentioned, I believe, on this podcast earlier in the year. And I've now heard Carl Banks, whether it's on the game broadcast or with Teague and Tierney on WFA, mentioned this a couple times, too. Early in the year the thought was Thibodeau may not be the same all year because of the brace he was playing with. It kind of looks like he's gotten rid of the brace. Am I doing that? Is that Oh, like, yeah. The so brace what, has been gone for about a month, and he's picking up. Right. That's what I was going to say. You know, you don't notice that on his knee as much. So one plus one equals two here. It feels like he has his burst back by not playing with that brace, correct? Yeah, he really does. And, and I think over the last three games, you've probably really seen it. And, and by the way, I know that Heineke said that there was a miscommunication on his sack. But think about this, right? Leno, the, the left guard, left tackle on the play, totally caves in and blocks to the right. I mean, think about this for a minute. What offensive coordinator is actually going to leave Kayvon Thibodeau unblocked on the edge against right. his quarterback at their own 10-yard line? Could I... You know, I get it. Heineke's probably just trying to cover for his guy. But if that was the play that was called, that they were all going to block right and leave Thibodeau uncovered, then Heineke better have made sure he had his insurance plan paid up. Yep. (laughs) Just no doubt about it. Well, Paul, I mean, we've really gotten into it all. I feel better. A little bit of a therapy session, but me and you feel like we're in lockstep on this. Uh, And I will close with this thought. I know you're going to agree with it, too. We talked about what the tie does and what it means. This is obviously going to be an interesting game with the Eagles. The Eagles are only a six and a half point favorite, which tells you that, you know, the numbers are begging you to take the Eagles, which maybe gives you the Giants a little hope. They see something that others are missing, maybe a little downside for the Eagles, maybe the pass rush getting to Jalen Hurts. However, the tie also made this Eagle game slightly less important because the big one still remains beating the Commanders in two weeks. A a loss this week while Washington's on the bye, all it means is, They're all evened up in the standings and have a big one the following Sunday night. They're actually, I hate to say that because I don't want to, you want to win every game. It does take a little pressure off having to climb the mountain that is the Eagles this week in a way because that you know at worst you will enter that commander game with the same exact record. Well, in reference to Washington, yes. But I, I need to reinforce this to you, Sean. This is not about Giants or Washington getting into the playoffs. This is about 
The Giants, Washington, Seattle, and San Francisco, yeah. four teams in reality battling for three playoff spots. You're right. The winner of the West and the second-place finisher in that division battling it out with the Giants in Washington. So you're right. you're right. In terms of Washington, the Giants losing to Philadelphia doesn't greatly impact that particular scenario, but it does impact the scenario True. as you look at the Giants compared to those two teams in the West. Well, yeah, and, and yeah, I guess the flip side is if they beat the Eagles, Stun the World beat, not only would it be great for momentum and feeling good about themselves, it would be great, obviously, for the playoff chances as you look at Brock Purdy and the Niners and whatever's going on with Seattle and losing. But either way, again, I say 7 4 and 1, the tie looks ugly. I mean, geez, all my Christmas presents are almost wrapped, and the Giants still only have four losses. So that's a good thing. That is a very, very good thing here uh, and something we all would have signed up for preseason. It's good to be – Paul, we're not talking draft picks right now. It's good to be dissecting these games that matter. And, and the fact that we have angst and we're either showing anger or emotion, that's why we watch, right? We want to have that anger and emotion. Now, you want it to be all celebration, but that ain't football. The games mean something. It's good that our blood pressure is up here in December. You know, I, I, it's interesting you mentioned that, Sean. Because this is the first time, obviously, since 16 that, uh, you know, on, on the uh, the other giant flagship show that I that I do taking call-ins, there has not been one phone call about the draft. Not one. Yeah. And yeah. usually by this point, everybody's not only talking about the positions that the Giants need, but where's their spot going to be? Where's the Giants slot going to be? Yeah. I usually are taking calls at this time by people telling me the Giants should tank. So they should get a higher draft pick. Yeah, not this year. I got so tired of hearing those phone calls. I wish I could take every one of those cell phones and throw them in the Hudson River. I love it, Paul. And also, guess what it'll do? It'll make us all enjoy the draft way more because we won't be sick of talking about it come March or April as well because we didn't get a start on it in November and December. All right, where can we get you on Twitter all week, Paul, with the Giants coverage from the uh, from the facility? At Giants WFAN. And you can follow me at Mraz CBS. Thanks, everyone, for taking one giant tie step with us.